0: Well, good morning, faith family. How's everybody doing this morning? Good to see you here today. Uh, I don't have to ask if you're excited. I heard that during the baptisms, and so that was awesome. Uh, How many of you excited to be here this morning? There you go. There you go. Yeah, I tell you, just to to reassure that you are excited about being here. I tell you, that was one of the most vocal baptisms I think we've ever had, but it was good because there's nothing greater than just seeing someone follow through uh, in obedience to what God has done already in their hearts uh, through believers' baptism. And I, I tell you, it's just really special time for us as a church. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with celebrating the way we celebrate baptisms. Amen? And so it's just something I think we should be very excited about. It's good to see you here this morning. Uh, I, I missed you last week, but I heard that Darren did a great job filling in for me, and I appreciated him doing that while I was away, spending some time with my dad But I'm looking forward to diving in this morning and continuing in our series. Today we actually wrap up our series that we've been going through for nine weeks now. Today's the ninth week called Synergy. And uh, we're going to wrap this series up. uh, Next week we're going to start a new series called Share the Season. And we're going to be looking at at really Jesus all the way through uh, to the new year. And uh, it's not that we don't look at Jesus all the time. But I mean we'll be looking uh, in depth uh, sort of a doctrinal study on Jesus through the holidays. And so I'm very excited about that as well. Uh, but this morning we wrap up this series and we've been looking about how, how Jesus calls His church to come together uh, to be a part of something greater than we could ever be as individuals. And uh, as we think about our role and, and, uh, and, and who we are as a believer in Christ Jesus, a follower of Christ, or a, um, a, just a child of God, just knowing who we are uh, as a believer... Is, is awesome enough, but knowing that God calls us together to belong to the body and to be a part of something even greater than ourselves is really encouraging. And so I'm looking forward to diving into this message today. And, and, and today we're going to be talking about what it means to send. And I'll get into that uh, as soon as we dive into the message. So let's pray. And then we're going to dive into the truth of God's word. Pray with me, if you will. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit of God, Lord, we are thankful. ...for this time uh, together as a church. And we are thankful for, God, just the the remarkable things that you're doing in the lives of so many here. God, it's just so wonderful to see uh, baptisms like we saw this morning. And to even celebrate that, God, knowing that baptism is a beautiful image of of more than just salvation. It's it's, uh, the death, burial, and resurrection, our identity with you. And so, Father, I'm thankful... To see those that come forth in obedience for that. And God, just knowing uh, all the great things you're doing, even as we're praying and hearing the children, God, it's just so amazing to think about uh, the life change that's taking place here in this place. And Father, I pray that as we dive into your Word today, God, that as we begin to get uh, a glimpse of, of how collectively we can come together as a body and be a part of something that is even beyond our own community Father, it's just so encouraging to see that you allow us to do that. So Father, as we dive into your Word, I pray that you'd speak deeply into our hearts. And God, that we would be encouraged and we would be uh, just uh, moved by the presence of of who you are. And also, God, just by diving into your Word together, the truth of your Word. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning we started off with a, a bumper video that uh, I thought was very creative that uh, JT had, had done for us here this morning. It was a, it, it was a video that illustrates the, the discipleship pathway or the spiritual pathway of an individual. It starts with taking a look at, at, a, at a, an infant in Christ, someone who has uh, just been through a time of just a life change and, and, and salvation is now a part of their life, but seeing the growth that comes with being sanctified by the Holy Spirit of God and growing in our relationship with the Lord, but also growing and maturing as a believer in Christ. And as we grow, recognizing that that growth will bring about opportunities for us to uh, also share our faith, share our story, share the gospel, ultimately see people come to Christ, and ultimately, as a believer in Christ Jesus, begin to make disciples. And so that's what it's really all about. But you see, the story doesn't end there because that's what we typically see around here. The story continues as we look at the gospel and what God has called us as a church to do and to be is to be not only those who are making disciples, but as we mature the saints, as the saints grow up in their faith, as they, as they get to a place where you know maybe God decides He wants to use them, we see oftentimes that God would call believers or children of God, followers of Christ, uh, to carry out a specific task. We often see this in the way of missionaries who respond in faith and say, I believe God's calling me to go to a a foreign country and to, to plant my life there and to take with me the gospel message of Jesus that people in Africa or Honduras would come to know Christ as well. And so we often see this sort of thing happening with missionaries We also know that there are many others that would respond uh, to just ministry opportunities. We have sent from this place those whom we have raised up as co-labors out to be uh, youth pastors in other churches or to go out and be uh, worship leaders or even pastors of other churches. But one of the things that we recognize as we look at the spiritual pathway is that our responsibility as a church is to measure not our effectiveness by how many we can seat on Sunday morning. We don't don't measure our attendance, so to speak. What we do is is we look at how effective we are for the kingdom of God by examining how many we're sending out because that is what uh, really the biblical mandate is for us as a church collectively. It's a beautiful thing when you think about it. And I love the video that we saw a while ago as it sort of pointed to this idea. But the video fell right at the end of where we talk about sending co-laborers out. And so today the message is really to help us understand a, a little better what it means to be a sending body or a sending church. And that's what we're going to be diving in here uh, in just a moment as we dive into the passage that we're going to be looking at. And you, you may be saying, well, what's that got to do with me? I'm not a church planner. I'm not a missionary. I, you know. Well, it has a lot to do with you because this is what God brings us together for. This is what God brings us together for, that we would all be doing our part, that ultimately we could send out those co-laborers. And so let's dive into the text this morning and take a look. We're looking at Philippians chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 through 24. And the message is titled, Send, because that's what we're talking about, is sending. And so Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 through 24. Now Paul, you know, he if you know anything about Paul and the Philippians, uh, you, you know that, that they have this very unique relationship. There's no doubts in reading the works of Paul, uh, not just his letter to them, but to other churches as well. That Paul truly has an affection for the Philippians, and they have an affection for him. You you can tell right away in his reading in, in the writings that that you know he he cares deeply for them, and they have they have been very supportive of Paul and his ministry. And so this morning we're looking at this text and. Philippians chapter 2, and we see something very unique. As Paul identifies who he is often referred to as uh, Paul's son in the ministry, he identifies Timothy. And and we see something really remarkable that that Paul is teaching us about being a body that sins, a church that sins. And so I want us to look at that this morning. Starting with verse 19, read this with me, uh, if you will. Paul says this, he says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send... Timothy, to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by good news or by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with a father, he has served me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me, and I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself I myself, will come also. Now, in our passage here, Paul starts off by making this statement that is really a, a kind of a cool statement. And this is where we get the, the idea of it being something that we do, where we send out those who God has raised up. Paul, no doubt, could use Timothy in his ministry. Paul, no doubt, could use a man like Timothy to to continue to stick around and to invest in the ministry in which he's got. And then if Paul has the ability to go, then Timothy could certainly go with him. But here we see that Paul says something that, that really reveals a kingdom mindset. As the Apostle Paul says these words, he says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy in other words, Paul is saying, I'm hoping, I'm praying that Timothy will be able to go out before me. And Paul even says, he says, I hope that one day I could come as well. But that's not a guarantee. Paul is saying here, he says, I'm sending this young man. And there's a lot that he says about Timothy in the, the remainder of the verse. But it's real important that we understand that there's this concept of, of sending him. You know, in, in the early church, we see God doing some incredible things. Uh, we see God raising up people we see we see God transforming lives through through the the, the, the works of the apostles and the, the, the disciples of Jesus as they go out and they preach the gospel we see lives change we see people being baptized we see people growing in their faith as we read through the book of Acts heaven we begin to see other names pop up as as other people are discipled and and called to ministry, so to speak. And and so we see this remarkable movement of God taking place in the New Testament, in the early church. And they would raise up these co-labors, and then they would send out. No doubt, Timothy was one of those young men that came to know Christ Jesus, was discipled, and even mentored by Paul. And now he's at a place where Paul feels very confident in sending this young man out to continue the work Whereas where he can't go, Timothy can. And so it's really a remarkable concept to think about our responsibility or our role as a body of Christ to be ascending church, to be ascending body. And so we see this sort of played out. Now, why did they do this? Why was it that they were sending people out? Why was it that people were going out away from Jerusalem where really all of this sort of began as the disciples went back in the upper room and and we see the, the coming of the Holy Spirit, and we see God just doing incredible things. But now we're beginning to see people go out, and they're they're really expanding uh, their, their boundaries as, as missionaries or disciples of Christ Jesus. Well, the answer to that question is because there are lost people out there. There are people that don't know Jesus. There are people that haven't heard the gospel, and believe it or not, there are still people, even in our own country, here in the United States of America that haven't heard the gospel. There are people uh, that have maybe heard of the historical Jesus. I mean, they've, they've heard about Jesus somewhere, but they don't know the, the, the gospel story of Jesus. They don't know uh, who Jesus really is. And so uh, as, we, as we look at this, we begin to realize that there was this sending of missionaries that were going out and people who were rooting their lives into other places besides Jerusalem. All for the sake of the kingdom of God. All for the sake of people coming to know Jesus. All for the name of Jesus and all for the glory of God. And so we see this happening in the early church. And we look at this and we try to understand this. You know, here in our own country and even in Canada, it is said that there are 269 million people that don't know Jesus. Now, I hope that doesn't include one of you here today, but but the reality is is that there's a lot of people in our country and in Canada, North America, if you will, that just don't know Jesus. And as we think about how this relates to us, we begin to realize that, that it's as important for us to be ascending church as it was for the early church right after Jesus had ascended into heaven. It's just as equally important that we continue this great task of being a body that makes disciples and equips the saints for the work of ministry and the raising up, that we would see the raising up of co-labors who God Himself would call and that we as a body of believers would send out to continue the great work for the kingdom of God. It's important. Just as important today as it was then. This is what we see taking place But I want to narrow it down for just a moment. I want us to really understand why we should be a sending church. I want to take it to one city specifically. A city that I've gone to over the last couple of months, uh, multiple times had an opportunity to go and work with some people there uh, as we we have been sort of enlightened to some great things that God is doing in that city. And that city is Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, On my first trip there, I was talking to some of the missionaries and one of the things that they they brought to my attention was this reality that Boston was a very influential city. In fact, it's the hub of technology. It's the hub of the medical industry. It's the hub of intellectual community, if you will, with schools like Harvard and MIT being there. In fact, Boston itself has 81 universities in that one city. And so it's a hub, it's a very influential city to in fact the entire world and yet it's one of the darkest cities in our nation it's one of the it's one of the cities where there are fewer christians than any other city in america in fact the number is this that less than 3% less than 3% of those living in the boston area are born again evangelical christians now let me put that into perspective for you for just a moment Saudi Arabia, which is a very Muslim country, has 4% born-again evangelical believers. So Saudi Arabia has more Christians than Boston, our most influential city in the United States. If you never thought there was a need for us to send missionaries and church planters out into the world. I hope that gets your attention. Whereas we as a country believe that politics is the answer for life change, what we come to realize as disciples of Christ Jesus is that really Jesus is the answer to the problems that our country faces. And so we have to be obedient. We must be faithful in making disciples here in our own community and trusting God that he would mature those disciples as we disciple them. And seeing them rise up and, and equipped by the Holy Spirit of God. And knowing that some of those disciples will be called out and set apart for a work that doesn't exist here. But exists somewhere else for them to go. And that our responsibility at that time becomes one where we are faithful to send. We must be a sending church. And so Paul, he's, he's talking to the Philippians here and he says, I, I, I'm praying, I'm hoping that real soon I'll be able to send Timothy to you because he knows that, that Timothy is a guy who is who is, is very capable of taking the Gospel message and doing ministry there. But we see something in here that I want us to look at. As we look at our passage, we begin to notice several realities about sending. About being a church that is faithful to send. We begin to see these as Paul is writing this letter and he, he sort of reveals these things. Whether or not he was really intentionally revealing these things about sending or not, I don't know. But he, he reveals these truths to us that we're, we, as we look at this, we, we begin to see, man, this, is, this really is God's plan for us to, to, to identify those people who are called and set apart for missionary work to go away from these walls and then for us to get behind that movement and to push them out, if you will, to send them out, to equip them, to send them out so that the gospel would advance beyond our own communities in which we live. And so I want us to look at these. One of the things that we notice about sending is that passion always precedes sending. Passion always precedes sending. Sending. One of the things that we notice about Timothy as we begin to study his life is that Timothy was a man who very much was passionate about Jesus and passionate about others. We begin to see this in all the different writings that we have in Scripture about Timothy. He was a young man who loved Jesus. He was a young man who, who loved people. He loved the fact that God was using him in remarkable ways to advance the kingdom of God. And so Timothy was this guy, just a normal guy like you and I, or you know... Not a girl like you, I guess, but a guy like me uh, but but the reality is God's using men and women just like Timothy, just normal people who are who are living their life, and suddenly God transforms their heart, and he does something really remarkable in their life, and they grow in their their faith, they grow in their their understanding, they grow in their knowledge they grow in the fullness of God, and God suddenly calls them out to do something remarkably larger than they could ever be on their own. And it's such a beautiful picture. But what we always see in these callings is that that passion, as we think about sending, passion always precedes sending. Paul, when he was writing to Timothy specifically in his first letter, he wrote this. He says, I am reminded of your sincere faith. You see, there was nothing fake about who timothy was he was a man who loved jesus he says i am reminded of your sincere faith a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother lois and your mother eunice and now i am sure dwells in you as well paul says to timothy in this letter he says i see jesus in you i see god working in you because timothy is so passionate about jesus And now, in this letter to the Philippians, he writes this. He says, I hope to send Timothy to you, for I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. I love this. I have no one like him. I want to send you the best. You know, it's remarkable to think about because I think for so so often in ministry... As as pastors, when we have somebody that really rises up and you see God all over them and they they begin to have this conversation about talking, I mean, about missionary, being a missionary, being a church planner one of the things that you you always sort of cringe at is like, why would you want to leave? That's such a selfish thought, isn't it? Why wouldn't we want God's plan for for everyone's individual life? And not only that, but why wouldn't we want to be a part of even the sending, if that's what God has in store for them. And I love what we see here as Paul is writing to the Philippians. He says, I don't have anyone like him. He, for me personally, he's the best I got. And yet his prayer is I hope to send him. No doubt Paul could have used Timothy. No doubt he could have continued to use him in remarkable ways. And what I begin to realize as I read this passage and so many others is that without passion for Jesus, we will never raise up co-labors nor see the need to sin. Without a passion for Jesus. You see, if the passion of Christ doesn't burn deeply in our hearts, we won't value discipleship. And if we don't don't value discipleship, then we will probably never see co-laborers rise up And if we never see co-laborers rise up, we will probably never have the opportunity to be a sending church. You see, sending always is preceded by a passion for Jesus and His kingdom and His will for our life. That's where it begins. That's where it begins. A few months ago, I had an opportunity to go up to Boston with... Several local pastors from our church—I mean, from our community—we, you know, I came back from one of the trips, and I was just so intrigued by what God was doing in these in, in this area that I, I began to talk to several of the other pastors in our community because I realized, you know, we we can't we can't do it all from Valdosta. I mean, uh, there's just so many opportunities up there for other churches to get involved, and so I began talking with a bunch of the pastors around here, and we decided to go back to Boston and let them have a look for themselves because you know they didn't believe what I was saying, so they want to go and have, you know see for themselves. Not really, they believe me. But anyway, we went up there together and we began to go around and visit the different church planters and, and hear from the missionaries that are working in that Boston area. And they came to the same conclusions that I did, that, that God is doing something really remarkable in this place. And one of the things that we noticed in the church planters, and I mean it was with every one of them, is this great passion that they had for Jesus and this great passion that they had for their city. And I remember as we were sort of debriefing in in the hotel that night, one of the local pastors, he says, you know, he says, seeing their passion for Jesus has reminded me of how easily we lose our passion for Jesus when we get comfortable in our Christianity. You see, we live our life in the South where just about everybody has heard of Jesus. And I'm not saying they follow Jesus. I'm just saying they've heard of Him. And so it's, it gets real easy for us to sort of live out our life here in our own community just with this sort of casual Christianity. But up there, up there where there's less than 3% of the population who believes in Jesus, those church planters and their wives and their children are very lonely but they're passionate about jesus and they believe in the calling that god has placed on their life and so every day they share the gospel and they lean on each other and they just continue to do the work that god has called them to do because they have been sent to a city to reach a city for jesus i remember hearing in the in, in, in a video that I want to show you here, I don't think we've we showed you the video yet, have we? I may have skipped over that, but I want to show you a video here now um, that we made. We had an opportunity to go up there and, and, and really just uh, meet with David Butler. He's a North American Mission board missionary up there, but then also uh, a lot of the church planners that are working. Right now there's currently about about 60 church planners that we've identified. and we've had the awesome privilege of meeting most of them. Uh, But they're doing some incredible works. And so I want to roll that video here this morning. I want to show you this before we continue to look at this. But as you see this video, just think about the passion that we must have for Jesus that precedes sending. One of the most incredible things that Jesus ever told his disciples was he said this. He said, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. You know, today I'm standing uh, in what is known as Boston Common. And it's the first uh, park, the first city park in America. But there's a lot of history here because also what took place here was the First Great Awakening. And I I tell you, as I think about all that's going on in our our country today and and the need for a spiritual awakening to take place, I think about the opportunities that we have uh, to go to other places than just our own hometown, our own community. I'd just like for you to hear from some of the people that are already living in Boston, who are already committing their lives to reaching that city for Christ, one of the most influential cities in America, and uh, seeing how we could come along beside them and help them and partner with them to reach our Judea Samaria and ultimately the ends of the earth.
1: Little Cross Point Church family. I wanna thank you so much for the way you've already made such a big difference for us here in Boston. My name is David Butler and I have the privilege of serving as the North American Mission Board Sin City Missionary. Now that's a mouthful, but what it basically means is I have the privilege of serving over 60 church planners and being a part of a greater vision that someday that will hopefully result in a hundred life-giving churches all throughout the greater Boston region of 5.8 million people. The need here is uh, perhaps unmatched by any other place in all of North America only about 3% of the people in our world-class city have ever heard a gospel witness enough to say yes or no to the life-saving message of Christ. So I just wanna thank you for already being such a big partner. Your pastor, David Rogers, and the team of elders who have come and to meet some of the people on your staff. We just wanna say thank you, and we look forward to sharing more and more of the vision with you, and look forward to being able to be a part of what God's doing in amazing ways they're in Valdosta through you.
2: Hi, I'm Alan Berthium. I am a church planter and pastor of Quincy Bay Church. Hey, my name is Suresh Samangi. I'm a lead pastor for Indian Community Church. I am Kevin Scott, lead pastor and planter of Church at the Well in East Boston. My name is Tanner Turley, lead pastor of Redemption Hill Church. It's stupefying to me that God sent me and our team to one of the greatest cities on the planet to represent Jesus. It's a phenomenal city where people are driven, they're talented, they're here for a purpose. Uh, and uh, our dream is to help them find a true purpose, their ultimate purpose in jesus christ it's got a vibrant community life but we just really have a heart to be the kind of church that we believe jesus
1: intended his church to be he never really refers to the church as a building the church is a people we believe that the bible is one large true defining story that makes sense of all our personal stories every morning there's thousands of commuters who jump on the train in belmont these are culture shapers, and so we as a church desire to influence influencers by the power of the gospel. We believe we have a unique opportunity to impact those towns to know and follow Jesus with their life. Redeeming Grace exists to see the gospel transform people into a community
2: on mission for the worship and exaltation of Jesus Christ. In ancient Thessalonica, in Acts 17, we see that the people there in that city said that the people that were following Christ had turned the world upside down. And so our hope is that the power and presence of Jesus would so pervade our city that we would hear that same accusation. Our neighborhoods, our schools, our hospitals, our government, our workplaces are different and transformed because of the power and presence of Jesus are pervading our city. What is it worth? It's worth our lives. It's worth leaving our jobs and investing
1: in the communities. You know, you can really point a finger on the map of Boston and say, man, there needs to be a church there. We really fell in love uh, with this city. We have this vision to saturate the city of Waltham with the gospel so that every man, woman, and child would have a daily encounter with the goodness, the truth, and the beauty of Jesus Christ. Christ has called us to be a radically diverse community a community where people come together who shouldn't be together according to the rest of the city.
2: We need churches to come alongside of us to do three things, to pray, to provide, and to participate.
1: And we're simply grateful for partners like Cross Point Church, like other people who are just investing
2: prayer and resources in the work here. So how will God use you to become part of our story to help see this vision a reality? We can't wait to see you join us to see it happen. Let's go.
0: Can we just thank Jesus? Amen. Thank Jesus for what He's doing. And that's just one of many cities that we have an opportunity to go to and to be a part of and, and even to send out uh, those who would feel called to that city, to be a part of a, a mighty movement of God where God has taken the most influential city in America and he's transforming lives through those missionaries and many more to come and to follow in their footsteps. Uh, but it all begins with a passion for Jesus. And one of the things that we've recognized is that with these planters, there's certainly a passion for Jesus. Uh, you know, Timothy, he stood above the rest when it came to, uh, to the, those who Paul was discipling and mentoring, but, um, but his passion preceded his sending. The second thing I want to mention here, and we've got to hurry because this is about a five-hour sermon and we've got just a few more minutes to go. But but the second thing that we see here, and I think this is so good for us to look at, is this reality that capability precedes sending. Capability precedes sending. I, I love what we see here. Note that, that Timothy's capability in verse 22. When Paul says this, he says in verse 22, he says, but you know... Now remember, he's speaking to the Philippians. He says, but you know... Timothy's, and then he uses these two words. It gives me chill bumps just thinking about it. his proven worth. I love that. He says, he says, this is a man who has not just been talking the talk, but he's been living the walk. He's been, he's been living out his Christianity, his passion for Jesus. It just spills out. And, and his, his capabilities as a, as a minister of the gospel, as someone who could be used by God, are, are not just seen by Paul But others have recognized this in Timothy as well. And so Paul, he uses this terminology. He says, you know Timothy's proven worth. And so not only is Timothy very passionate about Jesus, but he is also capable as a spiritual leader. And what does that mean for us? I think that means for us is that training and equipping becomes so important for us in the life of the church as we begin to raise up co-labors. We've got to place an emphasis on equipping the saints to do the work of ministry. In Ephesians 4, it teaches us that the leadership of the church, uh, and those, those who are already serving as co-labors of the gospel, they have a huge responsibility, it says in Scripture, to equip the saints to do the work of ministry. And so what we need to do is we make disciples and as we raise up uh, maturing, uh, multiplying leaders is to continue training and equipping and coaching and discipling those that they would become capable co laborers Timothy, when, I mean, Paul, when he was writing to Timothy in a second letter, he said this. He says, you then, my child, talking to Timothy, he says, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me, in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Do you see what he's saying here? Paul is saying to Timothy, he says, man, I've been teaching you, I've been coaching you, I've been equipping you, and now I'm getting ready to send you. But he says, just as you go, make sure that you also continue this process of raising up co-laborers faithful men of God whom you are pouring into that are also capable of being sent out. And so this is a remarkable thing that we see unfolding here, and it's just a really a beautiful picture of how the kingdom of God is working in such remarkable ways and how He gives us an opportunity to be a part of that. The last thing that I want to mention here is this, that compatibility also precedes sending. Compatibility. Sending, uh, sending is about partnering. Sending is about partnerships with those who go out. You see, the difference, I think, in going, which da- uh, Darren was talking about last week, when I think of going, I think of, of us as a, as, a, as a body going out uh, on a short, short-term mission trip or something like that, and then coming back and settling back and going out maybe next summer and doing something else. When I think of going, which I think is hugely important for the body of Christ, I think of it being sort of a a temporary thing. But when I think of sending, I think about those who would go out and literally plant their lives in another place without any intentions really of ever coming back unless God were to call them back or somewhere else. But they are going for the purpose of being planted and ultimately rooting, taking root in that city so that they can have a greater impact for the sake of the gospel. And so here we begin to see as we think about partnering with with people that we send out or even partnering with those who have maybe already been sent out and in need of partnerships, we start thinking about this. We begin to realize that chemistry, that good chemistry between us and our partners is hugely important. We actually see this in the text here as Paul writes these words in verse 22 and 23. He says this, But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me, In the gospel. I hope therefore to send him. I love that. Like a son to a father. Like a son to a father. There's a true relationship here. And so as we think about what it means to be a sending church. Compatibility. Good chemistry. That's huge for the life of the church. And those who we partner with. So what should be our biblical response? And this is where I want to wrap up here. I've only got three more points I want to give you. But... Some of you are like jotting down, getting ready. That's good. But here's, here's what I want to wrap up with, okay? This is really important for us because I know that as we sit here, the tendency for all of us is to think, well, that's what our church is doing, but that we don't have a part in it. That somehow this message is not for me personally, but we as a church, oh, I guess a portion of our money may go to do this kind of work or, you know, whatever. And that is true. True. But I believe that for every one of us sitting here today, as we look at this biblical mandate to be a sending church, as we think about what Christ is calling us to do, to go out and to preach the gospel that people would come to know Jesus and that they would grow and mature in their faith, becoming multiplying leaders and ultimately co laborers that we together have this responsibility to send. And so what is our individual responsibility? Well, here's one that you could write down. One, to participate. To participate. We can go to these places where we have partnered. We can go to Boston. We can go to Honduras. We can go to all the different places that we are partnering with. And there's going to be more of that to come real soon as we talk about the different missional opportunities that we're going to have here in the church. And and so we must think about the reality that we are called to go. Here's another one. We can provide. One of the greatest needs of all missionaries and church planters is financial resources. It's real important for us to know this, is that when we give of our financial resources through our generosity as individuals in this church, that a large portion of of that money goes to missionary endeavors and church planting and supporting those Uh, that are in need of, of starting new works in different places. It's real important for us to understand that. I love what Paul said to the Philippians in chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. Paul says this. He said, And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonia." You sent me help for my needs once and then again. One of the things I love about the relationship between Paul and the Philippian church was that this church embraced sending. And as Paul went, they were faithful to not only participate, but they were faithful to provide the financial resources that Paul needed. Now here's the last one. Here's the last one. And this is one that everyone in this room can do. The last one is to pray. To pray. One of the greatest needs that church planters all over this country and missionaries all over this world, one of the greatest needs that they have is our prayers. Because you see, they are fighting spiritual battles every day many of them living off of just the bare necessities, everything that they can scrap up for, for to, to feed their children. They're, they're living in, in, in just a place of poverty as they commit their lives for the sake of the Gospel. But the planners that I've talked to and the missionaries that I've encountered, you know what? They don't usually bring that up. What they bring up is the spiritual warfare that they face in going to dark places. And the only thing that can help them is really the the interaction of the uh, or the intervention of the holy spirit of god and so one of the things that we can do as individuals here this morning is to lift up those who are serving in the capacity of co-laborers in these cities and missionaries in these foreign lands is by committing to pray for them Church family, they need our prayers. They want our prayers. We must be a church that is not just faithful at sending, but that sending is preceded by prayer. One last passage, Acts 13, 2 and 3. It says this, And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And then after fasting and praying, they laid hands on them and sent them off. This morning we have a remarkable opportunity to pray for those church planners that we saw on the video, to pray for the North American Mission Board sending missionary who is coaching and discipling those planters to pray for many people just like those guys on the video who are living in Denver and Detroit Seattle and Dallas LA all over this country there's a mighty movement of God taking place where church planters are going out into our into our country and taking with them the gospel message of Jesus Christ believing that Jesus is the hope for everyone that they meet. There are missionaries serving on the fields in places like Africa and Honduras that are in desperate need of our prayers. And so this morning, the thing that we can do in response to the reading and the preaching of God's Word, God speaking into our hearts about being a sending church, is to pray. It's the least we can do for them. It's the very least we can do for them. If you want some names to specifically pray for, let me give you a few. Take them home, put them on your refrigerator, whatever you do, uh, wherever you pray. Maybe you're not praying in front of your refrigerator, but it's your nightstand or wherever. Here's a couple of names for you Tanner and his wife, Marcia. Tanner's the one that said, Let's go at the end of the video. Remarkable young man. His his wife, Marcia, she's from, believe it or not, Thomasville, Georgia. He's from Kentucky. They're going to be here in February. Pray for them. I got an email from him just this week, and he says, Man, we need your prayers. Matt and his wife, Beth. Church planters in Beverly, Massachusetts. Just just right there inside the city of Boston. Greater Boston. They've planted a church. God's doing a marvelous work there. They're getting ready to send another church planter out from that place to continue to advance the gospel out into the community. But pray for Matt and Beth as well. Pray for David Butler and his wife, Gail. David is in a remarkable position to be a Paul to a lot of Timothys. And one thing I know is that David is a man who has a real shepherding heart. But in the same ways many of us struggle, they struggle to live and survive in a place that they know they've been called to and they've been sent to, but where the work is hard and it's difficult. Let us pray for David and Gail. Let us pray for Pam DeMott who is in... Honduras right now committed her life to ministering to the, many of the children that are brought to her uh, under a system of really foster care. Let us pray for Pam DeMont. Let us pray for those whom we don't even know. But faith family, let us be, let us be faithful to God to pray. We have that opportunity This morning. I'm going to close this with prayer. Our pastors will be down front. If you want to have some continued conversation with them. We'll be in the the connection room right after the service. I'll pray and then you respond. Let us as a church, let us continue to pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Father, we thank you for this time together as as a faith family, God. Where we have seen you do tremendous things in this place. God, we celebrate the life change that that happens all around us on a daily basis. We celebrate the spiritual maturity that we see in so many disciples who are committed to pursuing You and Your righteousness. Father, we thank You for just the amazing acts of grace that we witnessed in this place. And Father, we are thankful for Your presence in our life. We are thankful for the work that You're doing here. But Father, we lift up those that have been sent out from their churches, and even those who would be sent out from ours as we continue to embrace that great commission, that great task that You have called us to. Father, may we be obedient to being a sending church. A church that doesn't look at building our own kingdom, but participating with you in building yours father we love you we praise you we lift up our missionary friends the co laborers of the gospel are faithfully serving in so many different places lord we love you and we praise you in the name of jesus amen